everybody to another episode of the Plot Twist Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Coronado, and I am joined by three amazing individuals all the way in New York City. And I know it seems kind of like there's a trend here, like a lot of my interviews are like in the East Coast. I don't know what the universe is trying to say to me. I don't know what the future holds, but we're in the building with, um, with you know what? First of all, if you guys are making it this far into season two, I suggest you guys uh, rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. But without further ado, I have Dominique Nieves and her um, Iron Glove Productions. So basically, they are a film production company out of New York City. And they are just doing the damn thing out here for Latinos, Latinas, Latinx community. And it's just so refreshing to see people that looks like me do things that people that don't look like me do. You know what I'm saying? So without further ado, what's up, guys? How you guys doing today? What up? We are great. Thank you so much for having us. Word. Thank you. Thank you. Word. No, thank you for reaching out. Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of rundown of Iron Glove Productions. So I'm Dominique Nieves. I'm the founder of Iron Glove Productions. And it really started with me producing my own work. I was writing scripts and I wanted to showcase my gorgeous actors here and give us an opportunity to play the roles that we really wanted to play. And that's how Iron Glove Productions was born. What is <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, my name is Amilcar Javier. Uh, it's Amilcar Javier. It's a pretty different name, but I've heard it before. Hear though. I've heard it before. Yeah, no, it's getting around. It's getting around. Um, <laughs> it might be a different Amilcar Javier. There's like seven in the world, but whatever. So Amilcar Javier. Um, I'm an actor. I've been acting for a while now. I do a, a bunch of different kinds of things: comedy, drama, uh, theater, television, commercials. You might catch me in a little. Raymond Flanagan ads somewhere out there, but that's besides the point. Um, not sponsored. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, so theater, a bunch of different things. I, I essentially got the opportunity to create things. Um, I'll be given a role and I'll get to delve into it, see what that character is about, um, intentions, their backstory, all of that stuff, and create a story about that character prior to actually even playing the character. So I really feel fulfilled just creating something, and okay. that's what I'm about. And my name is Kelvin Grujon, and I'm an actor and sometimes a producer. Um, and I had the wonderful pleasure of working with these guys here with Iron Glove Productions on our latest film, A Nice Guy. Yeah. About today. You want to do a little bit of a little move to the side and show that? <laughs> oh, yeah. So- Bam, right there. What? Poster in your face, made by that guy. All right, all Damn. right. You guys, glad this poster is like filled with awards, and you know, it's it's actually pretty uh pretty impressive to know that you know our people are out here and really representing and really showing up and showing out, and not not only like just like doing like a mediocre film, but this has awards and this has recognitions and all of that. How does it how does it feel to know that? a film that you three basically produced and start like that it has been recognized so much 
it's quite rewarding. I think especially because, not only because we have our Latinx cast, but it's also because of the subject matter. We, you know, spoiler alert, this is, it does have a Me Too background, but we made this film before Me Too was popularized. When we saw the hashtag Me Too blow up, we were so excited because we were like, oh, other people want to hear this story. And I think that timing really did help us in terms of displaying this for people to see. Yep. Definitely made it yeah. topical. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's fun because I'm um, so I, I created the flyer for the film and it's uh it's just really interesting every time we have a new laurel to put up, it's just like, oh okay, I gotta find some space, put that on there. Okay, find <laughs> some put that on there. So it's um it's really fulfilling to just the opportunity to just keep adding more awards to something that I, I made. So yeah. yeah, we actually have our next screening at HBO's New York Latino Film Festival. And it was really funny because we actually thought we didn't get it. They were announcing because you have like different blocks. It's kind of yeah. where your film fits. They put all the features and all the docs and all the short films together. So there's actually I think there's three separate shorts because there's like a web series section and then yeah. there's the short film section and ours was announced last <laughs> so we wrongly assumed, yeah we wrongly assumed that we were like oh damn they already announced the shorts we didn't get it oh my goodness we thought we were such a great fit for this festival so you're like let me and just then, pack up my bags and walk out of here like no big deal yeah. we weren't even here <laughs> and it was like somebody said what <laughs> Come back. Milker was like, oh, did you see the message? message? And he's like, we got it. I was like, well, thanks for stealing the moment. <laughs> I didn't get to see the message, but he was so excited. He was like dancing with his arms in the air, like that victory pose. It's some kind of victory pose, yeah. <laughs> I would backflip if I could, but there were mental backflips going on. Oh, God. <laughs> so, um... What are some of the difficulties of being a Latinx producer, writer, and, and actors in today's industry, of course? So I'll start it off with producing, specifically because I'm petite and I look I, very young. I am young, but I look even younger. I literally had someone younger than I am ask me how old I was, and he and I didn't tell him because I thought it was an inappropriate question. Someone who I ended up hiring, he is great, but I was just like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah." It's funny, as I wasn't younger than him. Um, I was just like, "Why is that relevant to your work on this production?" He's like, "Yeah, you come off as really mature." It's like, "Yeah." You're like, That's as a matter of fact, I'm I am. <laughs> <laughs> Women can be professional. Right, yeah, right? that part, like, yeah. Latinas can do things. <laughs> but, yeah, tell them about um, how much fun it is to be a Latinx actor <laughs> in the audition room. Do you want to start us off? Or? I mean, I, I would, like, it just seems like we have less opportunities because of it. But at the same time, it's like Latinos are, like, the hot thing right now. Like, the, it's like the hot it topic. So you have this weird like paradox of like you're the hottest thing, but also like you're not Latino enough for this. I mean, mm. you to be two shades not. darker. Yeah. So like, yo, you're Latino, but like, lighter. could you like, could yeah. you be four shades lighter? Like, could you be Dominican, but like not like that Dominican, just like slight Dominican? You're like, <laughs> what, are, what are you saying right now? You know? Yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. can you can you play events bacaca? But with merengue music, that's a real story. Yeah. You know oh what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell this story. Bacaca. I, mean, I, I have never heard of bacaca. 
I won't say what production this happened in, but essentially we were actually three of us. We were hired plus one other person. We were hired to 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 dance bachata on set of a production. And when we got to set, the directors and the producers were calling it bakaka, also bachata, and bahaha. And then on top of that, we went to actually dance. When they called us into set finally at two in the morning after being there from five p.m., and it's time to play bachata, and we hear playback. They're playing back merengue from nineteen eighty-five. So I risked oh, it, right? Goodness. Like, like we're expected to hear thump, 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 and we hear it's like. For me to actually oh. open my mouth and ask, I was like, I literally stopped production on this. This is a big. Yeah. T- it's a TV yeah. show. You would know. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm sorry. Excuse me. What do you want us to dance? Yes. And they're like, do what you were cast as. I was like, okay, all right, but that is. But they kept playing my <laughs> Now, here's the funny part. When you actually watch the TV show, they use the same playback. They yeah. did use they that. Use the same exact oh, playback. My goodness. So, and, you know, it wasn't, and, and the other thing about it is, even though it was merengue, it wasn't, and like, if you would ask me, I know probably every merengue lyric there's out there, but it wasn't Dominican style merengue at all in the like slightest. Soft... It was like this softer kind of like, <laughs> Like Venezuelan merengue, which no offense against Venezuela, but it wasn't Dominican merengue. Which, but you heard us dance bachata, which is even more Dominican. Yeah, right. like we got so, principal contracts. It's a you know, big deal. But you know, we're Latinos were the hottest thing, so yeah, it's like yeah. that's you know that's what it's like you know being in the industry I right now. But you know, I think it's funny because I'm like hella rocking this like sombrero shirt, <laughs> like so stereotypical. But look, I was like in my dress clothes and I was like, I need to get out of this. And so this is the first shirt that I found. I doblada. So um, anyway, so that that's funny, though, because white people don't understand that. They think that um, that they're trying to be diverse, which, yeah, I mean, it is. And, and in <laughs> essence, like being diverse, but at the same time, like open open your eyes like to what you're actually putting out there because I'm sure there was a description to the song that you picked. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure that there was like, like you guys have resources. There's Google, you know what I'm saying? Like Google has taught me endless amount of things. And like, if you just want to say good bachata songs, you'll find one authentic yeah. Dominican bachata songs, you'll find them. And Let so me throw you I'm over here eating wrinkles. a blueberry, my bad. After after the after we finished rolling, I actually followed up with the production. I asked, "Hey, you guys play back merengue on set? Here are some bachata examples." And I sent them eight songs. They still were. They still didn't recognize the difference. So hard, and then I it tried. looks like we don't know how to dance merengue it, yeah. because yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's just a funny little just to piggyback on something. Latin thing right now, but it's always a very specific kind of Latino. It's um, it's you're, you're either a thug or like right. I don't know, a construction worker or I don't know, like one of those other stupid. Oh, you're never a lawyer or a you're judge never a lawyer or a school judge. teacher um, that isn't trying to uplift everybody else. Which I mean, I think that's better than thug or whatever. Yeah. But still, yeah, um, I, I think yeah. it's 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 great that Dominique wrote these kinds of roles that kind of break that typical mold of right. what a Latino is. Uh, and it's yeah. a fact because and you said um, they. It's a fact because at work, like, I always encounter, like, I'm very ethnically ambiguous and people don't know if I'm Filipino or if I'm Latino or if I'm, you know, black and white or something like that. Like, I get all kinds of stuff, you know what I'm saying? So people always try to play me for different things. But the other day, and this is going to be in one of my future um, interviews that I pre-recorded, this lady saw this scar on my hand and she just immediately says... 
oh, is that is that like a scar that you got in prison? And I was like, I was like, first and foremost, lady, like, when did I ever disclose that I went to prison? Because I've never been to prison. <laughs> and I'm like, secondly, I'm handling your money. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I work at a bank and I'm like, I'm like over here, like trying to give you good service. But you're over here trying to diss me and where I come from and trying to paint a narrative of us. You really want to ask, you really want to test me right now? <laughs> right. I got your social security number. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm just like, you are. No respect. No That's respect. when you look back there and you're like, you want to see how I got these scars? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that part. That. Yeah, I could hit it with that. But I was, I'm just like, but it's just so exhausting, you know, like to find different things to like tell white people. So I'm just like, you know what? Here, take your money and go go on with your ignorant ass. Yes, tuvo, you know. On to the next one. So I really appreciate what you just said about people trying to be diverse as opposed to just being, being diverse. We're people. And Latinos, we come from so many different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this whole thing of, like, we share a language, and even some people don't. Um, yeah. You know, there are different languages yeah. within the Latinx diaspora. Yeah. So this idea of you have to look like one thing or you have to be one thing, we don't fit that. We're, we're so much more than that. We're actually awesome because we have a little bit of everything. Great you mixture. have... You know, the accordions in merengue are from, like, Germany, and that's probably yeah. a whole conversation thing yeah. we don't get into right this second. Yeah. But that's the thing, okay? <laughs> Yeah. And then you... The tambora is African-rooted, yeah. and then the guira is, like, indigenous due to the island. So. And then you have, like, salsa, which is, like, this Puerto Rican-Cuban, actually born in New York hybrid. Yeah. So we really... We have so much to offer, and it's so frustrating when people pigeonhole us. And... I, I actually heard an actress who was speaking about the fact that she was happy that her character wasn't, quote unquote, like too Latina. And I remember being so sad about it. She was like, yeah, because like if my characters are Latina, they're always so like ghetto. No, no, no. It's not that they're too Latina. That's just this misguided thing. I am Ivy League educated twice. And <laughs> I'm as Puerto Rican as Boricua come. from New York. Yes, Kelvin was like, yes, she is. <laughs> There's yeah. no need to water me down. I'm your Latina. I'm right here. So I think the problem is that she's equating two Latina as ghetto. And that's there's literally no world where being too Latino or, or whatever, being yeah. super Dominican or super Puerto Rican, that doesn't make yeah. you ghetto. Like, being ghetto makes you ghetto. It's, <laughs> it's different, you know? God forbid. Yeah, right? Yeah, right? Like, yeah. But the funny thing is, too, that us as in the latinx community we even say that to our friends like if like we're like in a crowd of our friends and like oh here comes fulanita but she's too whitewashed to hang out with us you know what i'm saying or like she's not hood enough or she didn't grow up on this block or whatever so like it's so funny that like um that you say that because now that i look back at i'm like damn in middle school we used to do that to everybody and then we used to marginalize the ones that were just coming here to the united states and we're like well they're too latino and like so what are we like why are we you know what i'm saying like why are we just dividing ourselves so much when we're so much more if we're just together and i think that's the beauty of your show is or your um your movie is that you're bridging all of these things together and you're making sure that we're represented as 
individuals that are actually contributors to community and to our society at, at large. You know what I'm saying? I think exactly. I think so. Like in our society, we grow up being taught how to divide and separate. You know how to like, oh, this is like the C average student. This is like this student. This is this person. This is that person. We all grow up learning or being conditioned on how to like separate, as opposed to learning or being conditioned on how to unify. Right. Um, it's just something that we grow up with, and and whenever we see someone different, we try to outcast them instead of instead of including them because they are different. So it's it's something that we'll probably end up having to work on as people as we grow. Like you know, like we this generation teaches the younger generation to be accepting of people that are different. Like which I mean, it, I mean it makes sense because take it back like three hundred three or four hundred years ago, if somebody was kind of different from you, they were probably coming up to over to like pillage your village. Yeah, like so what happened to us as concerns. colonized yeah. islands. Yeah. Um. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> now we live in a more globalized society overall, and so I think we, we, we are starting to learn how to be more inclusive about how to meet more acceptance, but I it's going to take trying. time. Like it's it's, it's, time. it's taking... It's, and then, I think you know, we're trying. We're in New York. Yeah. And, think, yeah. Uh, yeah. and the conversation say, of Afro-Latinidad is really becoming something within our community, which is also something that's awesome because now we don't have to feel like um, the Latinos that identify as Afro-Latinos have to hide their blackness. They don't have to water down the fact that, yeah, yeah there is African ancestry in, in me, and it's an amazing thing, and now we can all celebrate it together. I mean, hell, you guys had the, the Afro-Latino festival in New York City, like, not that long ago, right? And so these things weren't around, like, 50 years ago, you know what I'm saying? So it's totally new. And so I think you guys are just, like, coming up on that. But what is the react reaction or, like, doubt or questions that you get when you tell older Latinos um, what you do? For example, like, your parents. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, yes, listen. I just wanted to talk to the Dominican Republic and, um, you know, met family there. And some of my uncles would ask me, so, like, what do you do? Well, first of all, they would start off with, did you go to school? And I'm like, yes. And then they asked, did you graduate? And I said, yes. What did you get a degree in? And I tell them architecture. And they're like, oh, great. So how's that going? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm, actually, I'm actually in the actually in the in the film and entertainment industry and they're like well okay but like what what, what are you doing for like a job <laughs> I and, love that and one. I'm like uh th this is work have you ever tried to produce a film or try <laughs> to like break down a character tell a story have tried let me know if it's not work for you because then I want your jeans and what happened to my passage of the jeans um <laughs> and then be after that they're like oh okay so okay I get it I get in so like are you married and there they're you like <laughs> What you don't want to ask me if I have a girlfriend first before you ask me about, and then they ask with the followers. So when are you having kids? Oh my and goodness! By everyone, one. this is like from every person that's maybe like forty and older. They ask you those questions in that order. Latinos but just always jump to the kids. And I'm uh, like, do you want to take care of them? Is that what you guys want to do, or or you guys just want to <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> On the low, I think on the low, our parents want grandkids to take care of them, so they so they can redo what they. All right, you guys with. try being a woman without kids, <laughs> um, and then try being a woman who's not super interested in having kids, not in the yeah. five-year plan at all, and yeah. people are like, "What? Yeah, like, what else do you think you're here for?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like for me, like my mom, she just. She's so funny because when I'm like done recording and she's like, Mijito, pero te van a pagar por eso? And I'm like, at the moment, no, ma. And she's like, pero busca algo que te va a pagar, this and this and that. And I was like, 
I'm like, listen, this is just like my creative side coming out of me. And then like next minute, like the next day, she'll be like, <laughs> she'll be like, fíjate, you need to put this person on your show. Blah 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 yeah. blah blah. And then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I kid you not, that is literally every conversation I have with my mom. Yesterday, like, my mom her, was like, put Obama on the show. She's like, she's like, you're gonna have Obama yeah. on your show one day. And she's like, talk to him about this. Put your aunt on the show. And I'm like, mom's like, let's just slow down. <laughs> Because it's once once you start having that come up, it's like, oh crap, yeah, no, this is a thing. Like, yeah, my yeah. mom, my mom, my brothers, yeah. everyone, they would just be like, oh, you know, you're auditioning for this. How much are they paying? You know, it's like fifty dollars. Why are you spending like ten hours on a fifty dollars shoot? And I'm like, because it's fun. Because this is what I do. I create. <laughs> but then once you get like a commercial that's like, you know, all over the place, yeah. they're like, yo, why don't you, you know keep booking stuff? I keep doing that. It's cool. I love that Can I get one. a discount though? Like, oh, come yeah, on, man. And I can't blame them at the same time because it's like, it's like, damn, like, in their eyes, like, they crossed water or they crossed, like, so much land to get here and to feel like their kids are doing something that's not gonna, you know, produce money or or give them, you know, exposure that they need right now, it's, like, heartbreaking for them because they're like, damn, well, now my journey has been brought to this, you know? No, I was going to say, this is actually something that comes up with my mom a few times. And I actually mentioned to her this, that if we, if they would have stayed in the country and had a difficult life and I was I would have been born there for whatever reason the universe worked out the same, I would not have been able to do what I'm doing now. I would have to have been working at some factory or whoever, God knows what, because we would have been born into so much poverty. But because they came here and they worked hard so that we could have a better future, us being able to explore our creative side is our better future. Yeah. If they didn't do that, then we would have, you know, we wouldn't have the liberty to be able to pursue our dreams this way because we would have to face certain realities that other people do have to face in this world. But this is what this is what they fought so hard for, so that we can have the choice to do what we really want to do. You know, for for like for some of my cousins, accounting is what they want to do. Like they <laughs> love accounting, and it's like, yes, that's what you're gonna do. That's a hard but, pass. <laughs> um, but right, for me, me I can. <laughs> I have analyzed life and created and, and put it out there. And as Kelvin said, we all did go to school. Yeah, you yeah. can go to school for these things. By the way, I went to school for a lot of things. Um, <laughs> But I really wanted to go to school for writing. Originally, I actually wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but what are you going to do for money? And I'm like, well, that's a job. Um, mm-hmm. Like, all the TV you watch, that's actually a type of journalism. Like, all the news, you know, all the newspapers, New York Times, you know, that little tiny newspaper, that's a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually where all the other news get their news from. So yeah. I had to be slick because... I mean, I did like my academic pursuits as well. I was super passionate about them, but I had to be slick and make sure to take classes that allowed me to take a film class here and there. Mm-hmm. It was for a different major, but I managed to take a bunch of film classes and a bunch of writing classes. And I did all the theater productions after, you know, after hours, part of the clubs. We kind of have to do both. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you're like, when, as you said, when you're Latino and you come here and your parents came here and they sacrificed everything for you. You have to be like the astrophysicist. You have to be the architect. You have to be the comp, like computer engineer. You also have to be the medical student. And yeah. then you can go ahead and do that little tiny movie that you want to make. Right? Wow, <laughs> really no. By the way, that's yeah. while still having a work study job, 
like yeah. when no one else, none of your other castmates have to worry Community about it. service. Yeah, like yeah. and you have There's to so do many- it well. Like you have to do it like yeah. two times better because if you half ass it, they're gonna be like, Oh well that's just what Latinos do, you know what I'm saying? Oh, they just don't produce good. And still maintain a social life at that too, because yeah, we're also you know. human beings, and, and I like I um, want to dance. You're allowed and I wanna, to have emotions. I am right. Yeah. That's what to do for a job. That, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> like you're have. allowed to have an Instagram account. Like what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instagram. Sleeping was a dream. Like getting the opportunity to sleep uh, was, was a, nice a dream. Like seriously, you, you can hashtag that. Sleeping is a dream. Um, <laughs> tweetable. That's a tweetable. <laughs> the amount of work that goes into being a successful Latino is oh, outstanding, and I, yeah. that's kind of that kind of has a positive like sense to it. The word outstanding, but it's the worst amount of work that you have to do. There's just so many sleepless nights, so many things worrying about like what's the next thing you're gonna eat, especially if you're dorming or it's it's a lot. Let's talk about code switching. Oh my god, when Ooh, I first got code switching, I can't help it. People didn't understand the words coming out of my mouth. Yep. I, so some I had already been used to code switching. I had done it in school with my teachers. When you're at college and you live on Different campus, you're not level. allowed to stop. You don't. You never go home and turn off the code Different switch. Yeah. And it was just like crap. Like I have yeah. to completely change who I am at all times because I'm still being judged. Yeah. Even when I leave the classroom. I got good at being able to code switch as if it was like one man show style where mm-hmm. I was talking like the, with one person this way, turn around, yo, what's good? B, what's popping on? What's going on? Hold on a second. Uh, yes, next week we shall do the presentation. It'll be <laughs> M and uh, yeah, I'll see you shortly. Okay. All right. Have a good day. Yeah. Of course. Bye bye. Yo, dude, so what are we eating tonight, bro? What's going down? Like being just having to do that at, at, where, I was, where I went to school, which was at UVA, um, was incredible. And then on top of that, my roommate who I met my second year, realized that I had actually gotten to like the other end of the spectrum where I wasn't even sounding like my mm-hmm. general self. I was sounding very quote unquote whitewashed because I had been around it for so long. You do it, you do it. It just it just stuck yeah. on. And I can't help it. Whatever like environment I'm in, I immediately start to adapt to the language of that environment. Immediately. And when you're in an Ivy League school, yes. The fun of that is that you'll see different, you know, different colored people and, you know, all shapes and sizes and you, you see and you see someone who's like a slight different shade in the corner or, you know, someone wearing like dunks or something or some Jordans and you're like, oh, those are my people. Is that, that Spider-Man made? But then you go like, up to them and you're like, hey, what's up, whatever. What's going on, homie? And they look at you like you're insane. They're like, who is doing? this heathen talking to me? I'm from, I'm from Cape Cod. Like, <laughs> oh my, my goodness. Pa- and I'm just like, oh, you're not. Yeah. So I actually had a lot of people of color on my floor, but they were all terrified of me because they heard I was that girl from Brooklyn. Uh, uh, and I, and I of course, I made Brooklyn. I made a joke because they were saying these ridiculous things. I was trying to keep it lighthearted, and I was like, oh, don't worry, I left my knife at home. And uh, they were so upset. Literally, the, all that sad face that Amilcar's making this face, like he's so, like, <laughs> like, gassed right now. You have a knife? They were, they were like, why would you say that? That's not funny. And I was like, oh, have you stabbed God. someone? I was like, no, definitely not. <laughs> like, it's my butter knife, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Seriously, like, I like close to you guys. <laughs> it's actually a plastic knife. <laughs> For my guava butter, it's like, yeah. calm down. Right. Even when I was to school in Virginia, people would be confused when they tell when they would tell me like, oh, I couldn't finish my paper last night, and I have to write it this morning, or I have it three hours, and I would tell them, you be I, bro. And they're like, what are you, what are you saying? I mean, all right. Oh my god! When I said yeah. mad, I was like, oh, that's mad. This. They were like, what? Are you mad? Right. Yeah, they were like, 
angry? Yeah. What's, yeah. What did I do? Man, these was angry. Decent. Yeah. No. So where do you guys it's, think your inspiration comes from? So a lot, I, I can tell you guys are very like uh, animated and everything. And a lot of the times we say that our this is just who we've been forever. Or did you guys come about all of this through high school and like learning different things? Where does that inspiration come from? You know, I have a quick answer for this because somebody asked me this kind of recently, but when I was about four or five years old, my family, (laughs) my uncles and my aunts would love to actually throw me in the middle of like a family party circle and just chant at me like, And so when you're at that that point, at that age, you know, I, I think, I don't know, because I'm not really cognizant of the time, but in your brain, two things happen. Either you cry or you let go and you just go ahead and dance. And I think for me, my instinct was to just like let go and dance. And so I've always been this in this like animated kind of way. Add to that the fact that I moved from, whenever, from when I was like eight to when I was like six, 15, I moved like six times. I was always the new kid in school. And when you're the new kid in school, you are either by yourself at all times or you make learn how to make friends quickly. And I just had to learn how to make friends quickly. And part of that was being able to get along with anyone and, and being animated and sort of being like, in a sense, the, 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 the energy of the party. Not necessarily the life of the party, but the energy of the party, the thing that the person that I keeps everything it, up. Yeah. That's that. That's where that's where it comes from. And yeah. It's funny that you tell that story because I have the same story. I actually was in... Um, I was in Brooklyn and there was a car playing reggae and I was like two and a half or three. I get told this story and the car was like blasting the music and there was like a whole swarm of people and we were like, where's Dominique? Because I'm like a baby and they're all getting scared and I'm in this middle of this circle and everyone just formed around me because they were so amused by my dancing. (laughs) And when I was little, I would line up legit my teddy bears and I would perform for them. I would like write poems make songs on the spot i would do my dramatic readings for my audience so i've always been this way she's like it's okay if you guys don't clap i know you guys love it (laughs) i take snaps they they i always got standing ovations (laughs) (laughs) marty what you think and when it comes to my writing what's funny i actually (laughs) i had the privilege of you know new york is really interesting with the way it works you can go to these quote-unquote semi-private free schools, but you have to take a billion tests. So you'll be 10 years old, 11 years old in the fifth grade, taking all day long exams to try and get in to one of these schools. It's kind of the golden ticket, ticket out of the hood, right? So I got into this creative writing program, and so I kind of started from then, always taking writing courses. And I really wanted to write a novel, but I thought I was bad at writing because my writing was all dialogue back and forth. And I was like, this is terrible. You can't do this for a novel. And then once I became an actress, I was like, wait a minute. I've been writing scripts this whole time. Like, this is actually my bread and butter. This is what I'm meant to do. Yeah, I think I was like a bloomer like, compared to you guys. Mm. <laughs> I think like if I, I didn't start being animated and whatnot at the, at the like, age of two or four. It was kind of like 10-ish or oh, 11-ish. 
which is, I guess, not that old, but still, um, <laughs> I was in. I was always drawn to performing. I was very scared to do it. But it's a very normal bloom, by the way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm, compared to you guys, <laughs> we're just, we're just ah, you, no, they're, they're just early, bro. Ellos se adelantaron. No, but uh, for me, I was I was drawn to performing, but I was very scared of performance. So what I did was, um, in fifth grade, I was playing the as many people had the opportunity to. I got to play the recorder. Uh, so I got to I got to get on stage <laughs> and make music, but I didn't have to talk. I didn't have to act. I that's just, a New York public school thing. Yeah, yeah. I think Everyone. that's everywhere because I did the same thing. Yeah, for we wow. did it in third to fifth grade or something like that. Like every yeah, we, every so, like Friday we would be practicing the recorder <laughs> and then we'd have like this giant recorder concert that probably sounded like Squidward, but you know what I'm saying? Like the parents was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, my family got it. Like every day, I would come home. I would make oh my, my own music and everything. Yeah. And, I, and I kept on with that. Like through middle school, I um picked up the clarinet pretty quickly. I was like a I was a relatively tall kid. So they were. I was like, all right, I'm tall. So give me the tenor saxophone. That's this huge, gigantic Jeez. saxophone. Um, I became like the lead clarinetist and tenor saxophonist, and I oh, kept with that. But when I got into high school, you know, they it was a public school. They didn't actually have a oh, band or anything yeah. like that. Um. I low-key stole my clarinet from middle school. Don't this is tell on the anyone. Record. It's off the record. <laughs> <laughs> that, that thing was just going to be a long... Bling. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's that. Um, so I continued playing on my own time, but then it was kind of different just because of the fact that I didn't have a band with me. Um, I got into basketball, and that was a different world in itself. I got injured really badly. Oh. Um, so then my junior year, I got introduced to salsa. So I started dancing salsa, and that just kicked for me. I was performing, I was on stage, I was dancing with people. That's actually like how I got on to ultimately become a step dancer in college. So I joined um, my fraternity. I started stepping. I was choreographing Hold steps. Hold on, and then what I, fraternity we, did you join? You can't just put. You can't uh, just say that like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's um, I'm the Latina. I'm the Upsilon. I'm the fraternity incorporated. Uh, Upsai. Uh, I knew that because I because I did some stocking a little earlier, so I already knew. But I wanted my people <laughs> to know. But I'm gonna let you know you are the you're the second lambda I've had on my show. Third oh. or third? Yeah. One, oh, one of us. Oh, of us what? Not the lambda <laughs> unity. Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, that's so dope. Yeah, I had. Um, oh, and he's from New York. Y'all probably know him, Charlie. Charlie Vargas. Char- the he's like a lawyer. Yes, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so. Um, one of your other fraternity brothers put him on the show, um, Hyro. He just hit me up and he's like, he's yeah, like yeah. Hyro was like, was like, hey, you should put him on your podcast. I just listened to your podcast and I think he'd be a great fit. And I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah. the um, the whole That's stepping crazy. world, yeah, it's like we do um, we do improvisation throughout the routine to kind of give us a, a, a break to breathe, but then also to, to tell a story. And that was it. That was acting right there. I was that like, wait, was, I can act. This that is the thing. That. Um, and and yeah. you were making that, awesome storylines. Yeah, I was. I remember. I remember I this. Distinctly remember staying up at like five a.m. choreographing in the living room and and making a story and making all these like really intricate Excel spreadsheets of like what would happen at this point, what would happen at this point while my family is sleeping in the other room, <laughs> and I'm like tiptoeing my little steps so I don't wake anyone up and clapping really lightly and doing all these little things. Uh, and then it, we went on stage and we did it and it was beautiful. Just like being able to create that and see it come to life. Um, and I think at that point it was just like, I cannot be in an office. Like, I need to just create stuff. I need That's to act. I feel at work. I'm like constrained. I'm just like, I need to walk around. I need to talk to people. I need to be like in their face and I want them to be my face. And I'm just like, 
but I'm handling their money and I gotta count it and I gotta be this and I gotta be that. So it, it really is and you hard. Don't want but I, prison, yes, so. right? I don't want them to take me to prison. But it's so funny because I think us as uh, brown and black folks, like we're just naturally animated, whether you think you are or not. Like it just is something that is so innate in us, and I just feel like. Yo, my mom stays, like, clowning and has me dying all day. Like, me and my sister, like, we're always laughing. Me and my fraternity <laughs> brothers, like, yo, we just always joking around. And we're just, like, you know, just throwing jokes and shade about each other, like, back and forth. So I think, like, as, as like, gente Latina, like, we just have to kind of tap into that and be like, what would my life be like if I was a little bit more creative in that sense? And, you know, I think we could enjoy ourselves a little bit more. I want to get into some of the questions that some people ask before we start our segments. Um, oh. Did y'all have something yeah. to say? No, no. No, we're, oh, no. we're listening. Just real quick, yeah. what fraternity are you in? Oh, I'm Sigma Lambda Beta. Dope stuff. I love Latino fraternity. Sorry, go ahead. So, um, no how does one... Okay, this is a really good one. So, Lizzie underscore Yako asked this one. How does one, ahem, Dominique Dancer... <laughs> Able, how are you able to balance rigorous academics and create movies with meaningful messages? Where, what do you derive your inspiration from? So we kind of already talked about deriving inspiration, but how do you balance that? So, you know, we already brought this up. You know, these guys are involved in a fraternity and you know how that's really, that has a message of being all about community impact, about community service. And so that's something that's very important to me. And that's very hard to balance with the schedule that I have academically. So in making films, I was able to do what I love. I make art with an impact. So I use my voice to tell our stories. And I get to do a little bit of community service at the same time. So I think in terms of, you know, hitting all my my bases, that's that kind of helps because these are things I really wanted to be able to do and I enjoy. Uh, if you love something, you'll make time for it. Mm. The answer that people don't want to hear, and it's super true, and Amilcar alluded to this earlier, we hustle. You don't sleep. You don't go out when your friends are going out. We go out like once, twice a year, um, probably together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, no breaks. You don't, like, Time, I just don't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's really, another way to go about doing it. Yeah. That's true, but th- th- I think there's a difference. I think we really, we really hustle harder than everyone else. And that's something that in all arenas of your life as yeah. a Latino, you have to do. Because you always yeah. have to prove yourself a little bit more. You always have to be perfect. You always, you are always the example of what Latino is because you're probably the only one who gets the opportunity yeah. to show what Latino is. So you better do it right. Yeah, you have the right. entire community back. So there's just kind of no option for mediocrity in who we are in just society. And there's also this like sprinkle of like del- delusional persistence where like, <laughs> and, and at least for me in my head, I'm delusionally about this. Like, like this is yep. what I'm doing. This yeah. is it. There's no like plan B, plan C. No, this is what I'm doing. And then it's just this persistence of like, you know, like let's show up to set and know, oh, we're missing this. Well, Flip this, do that, and now we're doing it. Oh, but this thing broke. Tape it. Like, there's just this thing of just persisting and persisting and not stopping for anything. Nothing's going to hold you back. Yep, yep. That I think is just added to the mix of, like, hus- of we're hustling. Like, whenever I get home and I don't have anything to do, I'm uncomfortable. Yep. And it sucks because I, for, like, I don't really get to relax that often because I always feel like I have to do, there's something for me to do. So, you know, it, it just, it's just 
do it for long enough and all of a sudden that is the only way you know how to live to always be on the hustle mm -hmm. and it's just it becomes like a part of and then your side the hustle has a side hustle yeah. right yeah. yeah and then vacations <laughs> yeah. get really weird this guy wait is this what i yeah and i might i'm supposed I'm to be chilling right now i definitely bring my laptop chill. to vacation you i just speak to this i distinctly remember me bringing my laptop to a bar and working <laughs> doing work at a bar uh, people are just like, no, why's he got a backpack? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I've written and produced scripts at bars. Yeah. No, yeah. that's the thing. Um, I, I, I think for me, I would say that the hardest thing about having to juggle all of these things is just starting. Uh, it's really easy to look at everything and just, just get overwhelmed and give up. Uh, it's It becomes much more manageable when you break things up into very small pieces and just count each of those small pieces as a victory. And then suddenly you'll have 20 victories out of your 700, but you have 20 victories down in contrast to not having any victories and you're just like, crap, there's too much to do. Um, specifically for filmmaking and art, yeah. it's hard work. It's ridiculously hard work. It's extremely steep competition. There's a lot of other amazing artists out there yeah. all working hard And you're in well. New York City with all kinds of different things popping yes. up. Exactly. True. But I think, as I said, we kind of don't get that time to just relax yeah. all the time like maybe normal people do so you have to work with people who you really like and you'll have a good time with we were just doing an interview before yours we're on our press tour right now and we were laughing the entire time i actually have to tell these guys to reel it back because we're not going to get the, the content that we need out there yeah so that's kind of how you balance not necessarily late being laid back in the traditional sense yeah there's also one thing that I want to add is like you should always realize that you can restart and reset. That's what I meant about like the persistence. Like when it's when everything has crumbled and you're like, you know, you're like feel like going like ah, you just kind of go like ah, and then you restart and you go again. Yep. It's, it's that is the going again part that I think where most people kind of fail not fail per se, but that's the part that they kind of give up on. You just restart. Just restart. Just restart. Just one, one last thing really quickly on this topic. <laughs> just one last thing, all right? Just one, no, I'm just playing. Go ahead. <laughs> so it's really easy. As Dominic mentioned, it's really easy for your friends to suddenly not like you because you you just don't have time to hang out with them. Oh, that part don't of let today. It's just, it's just real talk. Don't let anyone hold you back. Like, you'll end up becoming friends most likely with the people who you act with regularly or the people you work with regularly. I mean, it's, it's just part of the, 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 the culture. But there's so many people who just get mad at you. Like, yo, why don't you come out on Wednesday? Why don't you come out on Tuesday night or whatever? And I'm like, yo, first of all, it's Tuesday night. And what are you doing? <laughs> Second of all, I'm working. Like, oh, man, this is my... And you know what? That's how you know those are the people who aren't on your team. Because I have friends from my medical school classmates who don't know the first thing about film. And they donated, like, half the set pieces for a nice guy. Like, shout out to Laura Sher and Mama Sher and Papa Sher and Lou Sher for helping us out. Mm -hmm. Um, because they gave us so many things. You know, people who, as I said, they don't really know about that world, but we're so, so supportive just right. because. And that's how you know who's on the team. Yeah. Yeah, like, today I just got hit up by somebody like, hey, like, now that you're podcasting more regularly, like, now you don't hit us up no more or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, I didn't even realize yeah. that that's what was going on. <laughs> and second of all, um, whenever I'm not doing, whenever I'm chilling or not doing anything, Nobody hits me up. And then once I get busy, todo mundo quiere andar ahí. Hey, what's up? When are we going out? When are we doing this? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, like, I have a grind that I'm trying to, like, do, and I need to do it. And maybe I can't go out with you. Or, like, 
I just tell people, yo, bother me, bother the hell out of me, and then I'll reply to you maybe because sometimes I just I don't even realize that I don't reply to people's text messages. It just really be like that. But um, but I think it, it definitely is a hard thing to be a creative and um, be a person of color out here because you know we got to do it twice as right. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But um, we're gonna start one of our first segments, leading into the other ones. What is y'all's plot twist? Because this is a plot twist podcast, what is it that shifted and changed in your life that brought you to where you are today, here today? Oh, I thought you meant something else by plot twist. So many things. Oh, plot twist. What is what? What plot twist are you thinking of? Wow. Hello. <laughs> the plot twist is you're actually Dominique. <laughs> um, plot twist. I mean, if. I have, I have a few. Pick one, Calvin. Yeah, twist. Just one. <laughs> just the one. Um. So there was the one time when I was filming a a, a scene as part of a web series. Um. And this this web series was kind of a little bit uh, low production and uh, low production quality. And so we didn't have the proper signage, and the production team didn't call the right people. And the scene that we were shooting was of me playing a bad guy shooting another bad guy with a fake gun that looked like a real gun. <laughs> and we were. In an alleyway in the Bronx, in one of like the hotter areas of the Bronx, where like people die every other week. Um, and uh, as soon as the director had just yelled "cut, cut," and I had put my gun, four policemen rolled up behind me in SWAT formation with their real guns pointed at me, who was holding a fake gun in the United States. That's terrifying. In the Bronx, How many saying, stories start that way? Saying, uh, hands up, don't move, freeze. And my brain was like, so do I put my hands up? Do I not move or do I freeze? <laughs> and then immediately after, it was like, sudden, because if you do anything sudden, they will shoot you. So I just literally just froze. They were yelling at me, yelling at me, I just froze until finally got closer and I was able to drop the gun and they uh, they handcuffed me and like put me in the back of a van and took, us, took me and somebody else from the production to jail for two hours, three hours, and after three hours of not doing anything, one police guy, uh, one policeman comes back and says, "Like, oh, we're giving you a ticket. You have to show up to court in two weeks." You're like, I just wasted three hours. I could have been editing something. <laughs> that was I was in, in jail cell, going like, I could have been home right now doing my laundry for tomorrow's shoot. You could have also been dead. That could get everybody. Actually, <laughs> so plot forgot about got that. Shot and so two months later after that is when I left my in, my industry job and decided to go full-time into acting. Oh, yeah. snap. I love that story. Okay, who's going to top it? Who's going to top it? I'm just playing. Uh, yeah, I don't think I can top it. No, no, no. This is not a competition. I'm just, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> I'm going to give you kind of two. I'm going to give you the first one and my most recent one, actually. So... How I kind of got started into acting on camera. So I had done theater work. I was a big musical theater person, strong dance background, singing, acting, the whole deal. But I was living in Philly. I was at Penn, and I was doing a science program. It was the first time in my life I was only doing science, and I was dying because I was such an artistic, creative person. And, you know, I was, you know, needed a little bit of money for school and everything. So I saw that you can get paid to be like an extra, literally like a background person. Um, on this TV show. So I go my first time ever on a real set, 75 extras. And out of nowhere, they just tap me on my shoulder. And they're like, do you have any bartending experience? And I was like, yes, actually I do. And they were like, okay, stand up. Apparently the girl who got like the tiny, like the tiny co-star, like under five 
yeah. like words. Five. She didn't come. She just didn't show. And I must have kind of looked like her. And I had, you know, the right look. And they spoke to me for a bit and saw that I was charismatic. And they literally were like, okay, come with us to wardrobe. And they wow. brought me to set. Yeah, I met, like, this really big deal actor. And that's what I was saying about how... You know, I met the prop master. I had this very specific prop for the scene. It was a huge scene. As I said, 75 extras. And it was my job to go through all of these people, my first time on a real set ever, to the principal characters and ask them if they wanted a drink. Um, and so that gave me the bugs. Yeah, seeing all the elements of production, I fell in love with it and hit the ground running. I actually booked Inside Amy Schumer that year, my first year out. I kind of was lucky my first year out the gate hmm. um, booking Dang, Amy Schumer's show. Yeah, it was crazy. And then recently, interestingly enough, so I do have a double life. I actually did decide to go to medical school. So technically still in medical school. Plot twist. But, but here comes the plot twist. I've actually spent more time in the hospital as a patient than as a student. A couple of months ago, um, I had this sudden illness where I stopped breathing. And oh. we actually took me to the Dominican Film Festival in a wheelchair. And I did the entire festival in a wheelchair. Shout out to Emilcar for pushing me around. Um, and I think when something happens like that, you hit the ground running. You feel how short life is. Yeah. Um, I couldn't breathe for three months. I was medicine all day, all night, hospitalization all day, all night, the whole thing. Um, and I literally just started walking like three weeks ago. And that's very, very short distances. And I just literally was able, you know, being able to speak to you was something I couldn't have done. Wow. So that was my, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Yes. Again, like I, I say this all the time, what's for you is for you. And you're here and you're presenting what <laughs> is God's, you know, talent shining through you. And, and that, that's dope because not a lot of people make it past these things. You were you were not breathing for three months. It, it got a little choppy right there, so I don't know if it'll record it right, but she said that she wasn't breathing for three months, and she just started walking, like, three weeks ago, right? Yes. Yeah. So... It was wild. We literally did the Dominican Film Festival in a wheelchair. A car pushed me around. Everywhere we went, Kelvin grabbed all the doors. It was a team effort, just like when we were on set. Um, yeah. People were, like, really surprised. They were like, Aren't, isn't that you in the flyer? Like, how does this work? I was like, this is life. Like, yeah. this, is, <laughs> this is what happened. This is real life. But this is not an acting situation. It works the way... You know, the world works the way it works. Universe, God, whoever you believe in. Because if this had started now... I would have missed all our festivals and that would have been heartbreaking. So it kind of, you know, it just worked out the way it worked out. I'm so grateful to be here, to be able to speak to you, to be able to sit up in this chair is a gift. And so I really feel like it gave me this imperative to keep writing. I already have my next script already done. I actually did it with the few hours that I was able to move and do anything while I was still extremely sick. And that script is already done. Pre-production is started. So that's my second plot twist. I like it. I think. <laughs> yeah. That, that, so this is, this is probably died, the next died. part one to, to, <laughs> to top. I am going to give you guys. Better. Yeah, no, my plot twist <laughs> is that I will not top these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it, you guys are getting remade in a podcast. Started. Um, okay, so I'm going to try my best. I have two plot twists as well. I apologize, Calvin, because we told you to stick to one. But I mean, if you're, yeah, right? you're going to start with that, like, uh, you should have only had one. Damn. <laughs> um, so I, 
take I'll take this back to um, my stepping days, uh, back when I was uh, the the captain of Rated L, the the the, the, the step team of Bandera Latina, and Oops, I'm going to incorporated. So, we we switched captains. Um, I was I was a co-captain and I became the main captain, and I was kind of running the team. Uh, we were recreating the team. There was there was a lot of pressure on me. Um, this was probably back in like, 2015. So I had already done performances. I had already done that example I gave earlier where I was like staying up super late at night and whatnot. That we had, that had already passed. But that was essentially my audition to ultimately become the captain of the team. So at some point, I got really, really into EDM, like super into EDM. And I'm still into it now. And <laughs> created this. Sh- so our whole thing, the, the step team, our whole thing is creating. Um, it's not a show; it's an experience. So we like to make um these stories and like have the the crowd really feel what's going on. You know, it's it's, it's it should be more entertaining than just them seeing choreography. Don't so tell me you hosted I created a this, uh, I mean, I guess kind of sort of, but no. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on, go on. I created this story. Um, and Kelvin was actually a part of this as well. Uh, he was in, in the stroll team at the time. So I created the story that I won't go into much details about it, but so I came up with this story where essentially our step and stroll team, we were together as two separate teams competing against each other in uh, in this one competition. So what we did was um, we would start off the show stepping and then the strollers would come in and then we would do something together and we would keep switching back and forth. So. I remember being in, um, we, we would deep block like an NYU classroom to practice. So I remember being in that classroom, literally drawing hieroglyphics. And like, my, my teammates come up to me and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, give me, stop it. I'm, I'm doing something here. So I'm drawing these hieroglyphics. And then what happens is I play, I play this music like five minutes later and I'm doing these motions with my arms, matching the hieroglyphics. And I'm like, now you do that. And what ended up happening was that I created this layered step that kind of worked to an EDM song. It was um, Tremors yeah, by Martin Garrix. Yeah, yeah. So then I was like, all right, we're going to do this while the stroll team is coming out doing their own thing. So then we choreographed this whole thing, right? So we're on, we're on stage. The, the, the routine is about to start. The whole, all, of the, all of the lights are off. Everything is off. I'm right there. I'm the first one on the stage. I punched the floor really, really hard like to hype myself up. And my hand was just throbbing. I went <laughs> way too hard on that. And I got up, and it was that that pain was what I needed. I was there. I was. It was just so real. Wow. Like, just, okay. I'm, but I'm, I'm, without my glasses, I can't see a thing. So I just see lights on me, and I'm just like, ooh, I'm about to do this. And I hear the bros chanting, and I hear everyone screaming, and I have like this like Spartan outfit because I was like the theme or whatever. So we're doing this thing. We're stepping. I'm screaming out of my lungs. We're about to do this whole thing with the, the hieroglyphics and the music. Oh, God. The DJ decides to superimpose mm. the song twice. Mm. So now we have the song playing and the song playing again. Like two on a four-second delay. On a four-second delay. Oh. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And the choreography was so specific. Super, super specific. specific. Like every little the hieroglyphic. the song goes like goes a like, little doo, snap sound. Doo, yeah. Doo, so every mo- every one of those little beats, there was a motion to it that I choreographed on it. Um, and then Kelvin worked on the scrolling um, like choreography that, that would yeah. match that. So we're here, and I'm like, what do we do? And I'm like, I'm the captain. I'm going to make this happen. So I found the beat of the song, and I'm like, I'm going to step as hard as I can to make sure that everyone in this team finds the beat. So that's what we followed. And we murdered it. It was really good. And I remember like when I first saw that video, I was like, 
Yo, I created this thing. Yo, and when I started actually doing the step routine, I was so hyped. If you see the video, my head is like moving around. I'm like, ah, this is my song, and I'm stepping to it. So, um, so that was after, your plot twist. Oh no. Well, the plot twist was partially, I guess partially, it was like a, like a sub plot twist, the fact that they ruined the music, but we ended up winning, so whatever. Um, the plot twist there was that after that, I was like, yo, I need to do more than just step. I need to create this story that we made um, and just like, creating the choreography and whatnot. At that point, I realized that I can take that and make so much more than just a step routine. Um, and I started writing my own little step routine and like story behind that, that I'm still kind of trying to do, but it showed me how much of a um, creative capacity I have. And that led to my next plot twist, which is I'm actually a software developer. Uh, what? I work, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I work, I work, I code oh, nine I to five. Know that. Yeah, no, it's a surprise. So what happened is that um, they were doing this, like I'm really into diversity recruiting and whatnot. And they were doing this whole like, global campaign for diversity recruiting and whatnot. Right. And since I was involved in recruiting so much, they were like, hey, you know what? I have no idea what you are. You could be black. You could be Indian. You could be Latino. <laughs> you just look like everything. You need to be the face of our marketing campaign. Uh... So they decided to make me the face of the marketing campaign. They took like these $3,000 headshots from me. And it was just like pictures and pictures and pictures. And I'm like, this is amazing. Mind you, I had, I had like a little crappy cell phone headshot at the time. I was starting to act. <laughs> But it was just like, okay, I'm not really doing anything with this. Like, whatever. But then when I saw the actual pictures that they took of me, I was like, yo, I'm kind of pretty. Like, yo, <laughs> I could do something. Like, so um, I got my headshots, my first real headshot, working at a bank. Yep. <laughs> so that, that in itself is a plot twist. Um, it was really <laughs> funny because as a, a marketing campaign, I had people from Tokyo just contacting me like, hey, I saw your face in the elevator or I saw your face in a freaking STEM magazine um, talking about like, what will you create at this company or whatever. And it's like, he's already an international face. Well, there's that, yeah. yeah. So, I feel you on that because I've had... Um... I've had my, my picture taken and photo shoots and stuff for, like, bookmarks or, like, school stuff or, like, brochures and stuff. And that was, like, six, seven, eight years ago. And I'm still at my college campus. Like, they still have those flyers. And I'm like, y'all need to upgrade. But I do appreciate the fact that y'all are reprinting my face in 2018. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so I'd say Prot Twist 1 was... Uh, oh, Prot Twist 1 was... Uh, just creating this routine actually made me step away from step and create more, uh, like acting right, acting wise. And then Prats was too. I'm a software developer, and I got my headshot as a software developer because of banking. Uh, so yeah, definitely not as interesting as these guys over yeah. here. You told it with such fervor, though, it, that passion. But yeah. somebody, oh, God, somebody's gonna relate to that, so you know, it, it's all good. But everybody, we're moving into uh, Dimelo Daniel, where we're going to be just talking a little bit about some pop culture and current events. So we got Lindsay Lohan, who um, recently said that the hashtag Me Too movement makes women look weak. And this is found on Hollywood on the HollywoodUnlocked.com. And so what are y'all thoughts about that? Because I know that your film does cover some of the Me Too um, situation that people can relate to and about rape culture. How do y'all feel about Lindsay Lohan coming up with that? So 
When I first saw, I remember vividly when I first saw Me Too, someone posted it. I did not know about the hashtag yet. Yeah. I saw it on someone's status. It was a woman's status, and she said something. And the people who I saw post had quite the detailed stories. And, you know, originally how it started on Twitter, it was just like, say Me Too if you've experienced this. But a lot of people would add these detailed experiences. And I remember seeing it and kind of being almost, you know, you feel this anxiety about it because I don't think there's one woman out there who hasn't experienced Me Too in some shape or form. And so see, seeing that, I was stressed because, it, you know, it brings up these memories of things that have happened to you and also kind of feeling this burden, like, I should probably, you know, they're saying, like, if you've experienced this, hashtag Me Too, but I didn't feel comfortable putting myself out there. It's it's a complicated thing, you know. Not everyone wants to be the face of the movement. It's a hard thing to rehash. But then I saw another status, and I saw another status, and it gave me this strength. I felt empowered by the hashtag Me Too, seeing everyone else and seeing like you're not alone. There are people who are out there who understand what you've been through, who are going through it, and need your support too. It, it gave me a sense of power, actually. I, I just think that's her privilege. Yeah. Coming <laughs> to the fourth, which, good for her. She's the type of person that gets to run a, a race 15 pieces ahead of other people, so. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's I, I'm very blunt about this. Like, I, I said it already, to the bin. Like, the, the, I, any, any of these people. Like, Harvey Weinstein created this bin. And, and by Ben, I mean like this really huge garbage can. We just dump garbage people into, uh, and she has a wonderful place waiting for her in the bin. Um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit of the background? Like, what, where was she coming from? How could you possibly justify such a comment? Yeah. So what I got. So this is what um what she said. Hang on, let me find it real quick. So. So it says, right now in Hollywood and all over the world, women are speaking out against sexual assault and discrimination in the workplace. However, Lohan's views are showing that she's not totally in support of the movement as she feels it may be too late to speak up. And then here it goes. It says, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but I think, that, and yeah, I'm sure she does hate herself now, but I think... I think by women speaking against these things, it makes them look weak when they were very strong women, she said. Look, I am very supportive of women. Everyone goes through their own experiences in their ways, in their own ways. If it happens in that moment, you discuss it at that moment. You make it a real thing by making a police report. And to me, like, reading this, I'm just like, first and foremost, if women were viewed by men and society as strong people, then this probably wouldn't happen to them. You know what I'm saying? Because women are always put down and they're always like, ay, pero está chiquita, or like, she's so skinny, she's so small, like, she can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Or like, or like ay, pero... All of these things that, that people say about women and all of these derogatory ways, and it's just like, that's going to show that maybe her maybe her upbringing and maybe her fame her rise to fame since she was a little girl maybe she's felt strong maybe she has had all of these privileged experiences that make her not relate to regular women who probably do face these things and still face these things even though the movement is going on but like could you imagine like being in the midst of like these terrible things that happen to a lot of women daily and to just want to speak up about it, especially if it's, like, your uncle, your dad, your cousin or something. Like, could you just imagine? Like, that 
is just so much and i think it's more you're more strong for like holding it in because you're holding so much in that wants to come out but you're holding it in because you don't know what to do so therefore i think women that have gone through this uh and men that have gone through this are stronger for holding it in and now being able to speak about it because shit could hit the fan if you do let it out at the moment yeah i really want to chime in because chime in, it's like yeah. how i said very beginning when i first experienced seeing me too live on facebook as a status as i said it was a scary thing seeing people sharing these stories and seeing them with this call to action saying you know post yours too i was nervous i was terrified of doing it because of how people have reacted so in her saying oh you can only say it the day of the day of you're traumatized first of all second of all you know, I did. You know, I've had people say the most ridiculous things in response to me sharing, and this is with my close women friends. So if we have women who are misguided in their response to someone saying, this happened to me, why would I feel more comfortable going to a male police officer or a woman police officer? Why would I feel any more comfortable calling up this older person in my life, a teacher, you know, some, some my dean at school. Until I saw the third and the fourth Me Too post, I started to feel a little bit stronger and started to feel like, okay, this is a conversation I need to join. So that's why people aren't coming out until now. You weren't safe to say anything until now. Right. It's just obvious. Right. Yeah, there was literally no There literally was and still is no respect um how i say it is just that like, and not even how i say it is how it is the, the number of reports the statistics speak for themselves the number of reports that police reports that just get ignored or are falsely reported or it's crazy like um, people who get like just raping people and whatnot it's it's wild to suggest that you should have made a police report when the police don't respect it when society pushes police not to respect it when you as the victim are questioned as if you did something wrong like this is too much against we, you yeah we like, have this really powerful activity when you're doing sexual violence response prevention training um, i'm sure your viewers or your audience members have heard of it but it's a scene that you act out and it's a policeman grilling a victim of theft and they're asking this person who just got robbed in the street well, why were you out late at night? Well, why were you wearing a fancy watch? Like, if you're going to show your fancy, expensive watch, it, then you're... Um, oh, you have a history of philanthropy? You've given money away for free with nothing in exchange? So you have a history of giving money away, so why wouldn't someone just take your money? Yeah. And it's this hilarious thing, because you, you hear that story, and you're like, wow, I would never tell a victim of theft any of these things. But you tell victims of rape this all the time. Mm, that part, yeah. And, I recently Plot saw twist. something. Yeah, right. <laughs> I recently right. saw something that just resonated so much. It was like, oh, you know, rape has been around for centuries. Like in the 1800s, 1700s, when women wore these long skirts and corsets and covered up to their neck, they were still being raped. And what I said to that was like, if it's rape, she literally was not asking for it. Right. Right. Like that's the definition. She literally was not asking for it, and. This excuse of, oh, you know, a woman made herself 
put herself in that position? No. Someone else, whoever this attacker was, is the person who put her in that position. Yeah. We really need to change the way we speak about these things. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, but mo moving forward, we're going to go into the stat chat real quick. This is um, where we kind of go over some of the polls. So every Tuesday on my Instagram, um, everybody that's following me um, on the podcast, go and follow me on Instagram if you want to partake in the conversation. Sometimes we have some very <laughs> controversial things. Sometimes we just have some funny things. But um, we're going to bring up um, a couple of them. Just keep it, you know, a little bit light. Um so do you would you rather to all of y'all would you rather travel the world for free or eat anywhere for free okay Eating. let me yeah let me let me tell you guys <laughs> let me tell you guys what what everybody said 91 percent said travel and nine percent said eat. your girl's hungry out here well, i don't know well if you can eat anywhere for free that's just because if you're going to that place to eat mm. that means you're traveling and if you're eating for free, then that means that getting there more is money for free. traveling. Well, I mean the whole process is free because you got to get there to eat. So if you if I'm if I want to eat, I don't think process, you have this right. No, I, mean, <laughs> I think you should find, you should find the loophole. Not find the loophole. I found the loophole. Um, he's asking for he's wishing for more uh, wishes. <laughs> no, I would definitely travel for free. I think, I think I can I can finesse my way into eating anywhere. Right. Already. <laughs> So I was traveling. Cause I can't, right. I can't finesse my way Take onto JetBlue. <laughs> I can't yeah, finesse my way onto JetBlue. Yeah, like, I would honestly no say I'd rather travel for free because chances are the deal, there could be like a daily special out there, you know, wherever I'm going. And I'd rather, you know, I'd rather spend like $30 on a meal than, you know, $350 on a plane ticket. Facts. Yeah, it's, it just costs more to travel. Facts. But I eat like every day. <laughs> okay, yeah, this, this is, is true. I only, I only do so many vacation days, y'all. That's, that's both of the IVs right there, reasoning. Yeah, that's if real. If I could eat for free and get my food delivered to me for free, then I think I might choose that. Because grocery shopping, I hate doing that, yo. But can 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 someone also do the dishes? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> All right, number two. Do y'all prefer a significant other that can dance? 77% said yes and 23% said no. Listen. I'm of that 77%. This, I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you, let you do it this time. Go, go ahead. ahead. I feel like if as a Latino, like rhythm is just in me. So it's like <laughs> impossible. Yeah, it's literally in my blood. Like I um like I bleed Susie Q's, you know? Like, <laughs> I literally can't picture a world where like my partner wouldn't dance. It's like, they're so, like, we, I mean, like, it's, it's like you, you can meet people, you can, like, you just get so closer through that, you know? It's such a, like, emotional connection to be able to, like, just dance with someone. And, Wait, and I'm not even talking about of, some, speaking like, of love, hold up. Is this a plot <laughs> twist? Because I was peeping your Instagram, all right? Are y'all dating or whatever, or no? Am I making it awkward? I don't know. No, you're not. You're not. This you're is, no, everyone, right. everyone like knows. We're kind of known. This is. I always joke. This is Dominique in a milk car, Incorporated. <laughs> we're, third we're, wheel. Yes, this is our favorite I, third wheel I right almost, here. I almost made it awkward right now and said like, yes, this is a three wheel relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's become not that way. Kelvin is. You are not invited. Kelvin <laughs> um, has been. No, I was trying. I was trying to keep it on the low. 
But yeah, I mean, we we get already we don't met. Keep nothing on the uh, this happens in DMs. Um, no. um, so we we already, like met through dancing and like remet through dancing and then reconnected again through dancing. We were salsa uh, partners and we would perform professionally and yeah, teach classes. Teach classes. Uh, so y'all are uh, definitely about the significant yeah. other being with the moves. Okay. I That's didn't hear. Started. I didn't hear Kelvin's um, response, but I already kind of know the response. For me, so this 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 response is actually gonna be surprising, but you'll uh-huh. see why. Uh, actually, I That's technically nice. speaking don't care, but what happens is that if my girlfriend doesn't know how to dance, you will have two options: you either will learn how to dance, or you're gonna have to be okay with me dancing with other people because I'm going to dance. This is true. That's just what's gonna happen. I'm going to dance. Okay, I can respect that. I could definitely. You Gonna have to get comfortable when we dance with other people. Or like, you know how to dance. like, even even if you know how to work. dance, even if you know how to dance, you need to be comfortable with me dancing. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a thing. I dance. Yeah. I, guess I, I feel yeah, it. You, you put music next to me, and I could be sleepy, and at five in the morning, you just play some music, and I'm awake for seventeen hours. Let's go. Yes. Ben, 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 ben. Done this at That's literally one Peggy car right there. Seventeen hours gone. So. <laughs> You know, that's why I love New York so much is because y'all's, like, clubs and bars do not close until 4 in the morning. And in the West Coast, they close at 2. Yeah. They start turning on the lights at 1.30. Yep. You're like, ooh, so this is who I was dancing with for four hours. There are parties that start. Yeah, there are parties that start at 4. Oh yeah, after afties, because there's there's some there are so many people here in the city that work in the service industry, like the bartending and restaurant industry. When those people get out at four in the morning, they go to parties. So who bartends for them? Do you have the late late bartending stuff that comes in <laughs> wow. for them? That's actually Dang, yeah. y'all are y'all are generous out there. Okay, I feel it. Yeah, so there's but you know there's only like seven of those in the city at any given time. Before it's like it's, they're called afties. It's like four a.m. to like seven or eight a.m. We call them afties. <laughs> Um, yeah, like that's that's. There's so really I'm gonna go when I go to New York that. next time. I'm gonna just hit you guys up because clearly y'all know yeah. how to party like real good. <laughs> we also know how to not sleep. I'm so Glove Productions knows how to party. Oh hello. <laughs> um. All right. So being that there's only one woman in the building, do y'all think that men don't appreciate a woman's menstrual cycle? Seventy four percent said yes, mm. and twenty six percent said no. Mm. That men don't what again? Like that they don't appreciate or respect it because I feel in my own experience as a man, but having four older sisters, I feel like we as men don't respect that a lot in general. I'm not saying I don't, but I'm just saying like I see so many guys like, ah, she's on her period. Just leave her alone. It's like you don't realize that there is like a life cycle that goes on inside of a woman's body that is like that needs to happen. So, yeah, she might be moody, but it's. You wouldn't be here if your mother didn't have a period and if your mother didn't, you know, have all of these things going on. You know what I'm saying? So what do y'all think? So, I feel like if you should Let respond. me start. I'll yeah. start it off. So I think it's impossible to understand because yeah. you just don't understand what it's like to have this surprise. So it's like a surprise kick in the balls, you guys. I was just about to but say. But for like a week long every month and like sometimes it comes at a slightly different time Ugh, for a and whole week to, and the only way to try and oh treat God. this you know quote-unquote problem of, like if you are someone who has really terrible symptoms are with these crazy medicines that have all these side effects so it's like 
be depressed because of your PMS or be depressed because of the hormone treatment. You know, it's it's this really fun catch-22 that we have. Um, yeah, and you have no idea what it's like be, to have to still go to work, still go to school, still wear a cute little skirt and look fabulous on set. Hmm. Um, I, I definitely actually, this is super TMI, you guys, but I've definitely had like a sexual like scene where I had to be like in oh, my underwear, oh, no. but that's the day you shoot. So like you just, oh. you just, you know, you, you put on your, um, you know, period protection and, and do what you got to do. And that's, that's not when you want to be in this sexy scene in your underwear, yeah, yeah. especially if the day that's really hard on you. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. And yeah, no one knows. Like imagine getting smacked in the balls like all day and then having to be in like your boxers, try to be like all sensual. That would suck. No. That yep. would suck so bad. Like your tummy and yeah. Because look, like when us guys, like when we get sick, we get a stomachache for like a day maybe, and we're just like over here like on the bed, like, ah, I'm dying. Like that's how I am. Like I'm just like so dramatic. Ah, I'm dying. Uh, right. I think, I think- the, the easiest way to look at the answer to this thing is just to look at how the government like handles or just how medicine, how doctors treat people who have their, their periods Ooh, or, or just how they handle it in general. It's like, um, like, why is it a thing? You know, like, why is it painful? Why? Why? <laughs> like, I'm just like, we're in 2018, almost 2019, and there aren't any doctors or any government programs trying to get this your, your period to not be so uncomfortable, to not be so painful, to to maybe not make it mess everything up all the time. It's like they, because it can be, what's, what's the word? Because it can be managed in some kind of way. Yeah. Um, they just don't care about it. They just like, here, put something in your hoo-ha and then you're fine. You, know, you have to work. <laughs> it's crazy. That's the best you could come up with. Like you have all these scientists Let's in your payroll. Hey, that's it. I mean, there's, there's that too. Um, <laughs> That's, that's the government. So that's like that's a perfect example of like not. Not, not respecting it. <laughs> yeah. But that's so. my point. It's like you have you have so much funding going into like I don't know. Give me the next thing that Trump is being an idiot about. Like you have all these things, money going into that. But then I don't say no his kids. name. He's just forty five to me. I don't say his name. He does. He has no. He has no room in in my in my personal bubble. Hit that out. What I, what I meant to say is the one that came after 44. Right. Um, Obama, post- homie. Like, the one that came after 44. Like, if, you're, if you have all this money and you're not investing it into something that happens, like, clockwork every single month that, like, bothers almost, people so almost much. Almost every single woman. Yeah. Almost like, every single one. Yeah. The fact That's that the people aren't paying attention to that and doing something about that shows that there literally is no respect for it. That's true. Like, do, I I think especially for guys, we don't grow up with that with being exposed to that very often because like either our moms is something that our moms hide from us. If you don't have sisters or your girl friends, like your lady friends, they don't really want to tell you about it. It's embarrassing. So you grow up with this with a period being this embarrassing thing that happens to girl where like they bleed and oh my god, I'm gonna you know zombie, I'm gonna die, like whatever. <laughs> and for that reason, most guys really don't respect it. I mean, I grew up that way uh, until I got to college, and then that's then I got exposed to periods a lot in college, and all of a sudden I gained a new Hello. respect. <laughs> And appreciate and appreciation for it to the point where like now like as an adult like I'll definitely be like like arguing with my girlfriend like what's wrong why are you like what are, you, are you okay whatever and this and this and that and then it hits me like oh oh shit okay got it but like even I don't recognize like oh right you're going through like your your monthly like dealing with yourself like I don't I don't know how that goes like I really don't I have no idea so I say things like 
what I said before. <laughs> because that's how I cope with it. But at the same time, you know, being exposed to it later in life did give me some perspective about it. Okay. Yeah, society, media in general really pushes the whole like, yeah. oh, period, no. Like, they really push yeah. that. Um, music, everything really pushes that. And it's just like, stop. Like, it's a thing. It happens. Right. Like, I agree, yeah. Just like, just like how men, like, their penises can't get up at some point. That's a thing that happens. <laughs> we're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna talk about that right now though. We don't need to, you know. Well, <laughs> Spe- speaking of of all of these spicy topics, um, we're gonna move forward to our last and final segment. Womp, womp, womp. So sad because this I'm having a lot of fun with y'all, but it goes down in the DMs is our last segment in as millennials DMs are everything and we will be discussing a little bit about you know kind of what happens in you guys' DMs as actors and um, producers and everything else that y'all fit into so who wanna go huh you said at you were kind of normalize the period <laughs> hey how are you well I'm on my period right now is what Tamika is gonna say to someone <laughs> actually Hashtag period or people. Okay, okay, oh, sorry. So, yeah, so you were asked about DMs. Right? Yeah, seriously. Yep. You guys are all trying to deflect it. You guys are like just like, well, let's not get into mine. I mean, Bay is right here. Bay is right here. So so spotlight is spotlight is on Kelvin then. All right, Kelvin, what's good with you? My DM there. So oh, he's I, actually opening it. Yeah. So I recently posted about a couple of projects that are out. So my new my new website is it's I premiered today. So my website is updating it. Like oh my god, good job, good stuff, keep going. So you're just doing a pub, right? So, but um, I, I'll tell you about me? I'll tell you about this one. So my friend, some of one of my friends started this hashtag on um, on Instagram called uh, NDO No Days Off, and it's actually about the gym. And the whole idea is that when you go to the gym, you post a picture of yourself at the gym. Hashtag No Days Off, as in No Days Off from the gym except only on the weekends. And that's what my DM mostly consists of, is all my friends tagging me in, to their gym trip and me tagging them when I was at the gym. So some days off. Wait, I'd really like to actually no put people off. on Two blast, though. Like, <laughs> I just realized. So, so yeah, sorry to the people who I'm going to totally throw under the bus. Ooh. I hate when men are like, hey, cutie, <laughs> remember me? And I don't answer, because I feel like it's a really like, inappropriate way to approach me. And they're like, Come on, don't remember me. <laughs> or actually, what I got like from a non-Latinx person like two days ago, hey, senorita, long time no see. And oh, I was like, my goodness. Why do you think I'm going to respond to that in any positive type of way? <laughs> ah, that's good. Um, <laughs> you love when that happens, right? Yeah, no, it's great. It just <laughs> makes me uh, remember how... Lucky I am to not be a woman, A, and lucky I am to have found you. DM me, hey, Yeah, exactly. I don't have to be like, hey, Bay, how's it going? And anyway, so, uh, my DMs. My DMs are boring. Um, It's a lot of puppies, like a lot of dog pictures. I probably send him. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of cute dogs being sent back and forth between us. Um, So I have a... I have a, I have a I have a group with um with my with my brother, his uh partner, and one of our like old school friends from way back in the day. Uh shout out to them. And we just talk about so many random things. So I'm I'm the nerd in any group. 
So I'll put in like super random anime jokes in there, like, hey, you catch out Naruto is an idiot, and they're like, who the hell is Naruto? And I'm like, what the hell is your? How do you not know what? They love that stuff. Stop like, it. Like, seriously, yeah. Like, what is your problem? Um, so my DM has a lot of that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people who um who hit me up and they're like, yo, um, I caught you on this like commercial or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, I get those. I'm like, oh wow! I just saw Milkar on TV. Yeah. I get those a lot, actually. Okay, <laughs> check you out, Milkar. Get that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as I as I mentioned earlier, those conversations usually end with the yo. So um, how about the bed discount stuff? Was good. You got like, what's good with that? Um, so that happens pretty often as well. Um, that's what's yeah. up. And on a positive note, I have to give a shout out to all my homegirls because I get a lot of like really supportive ones. From like my girls being like, oh my god, you look so cute! Wow, how are you doing everything? Shout out to Yako who asked a question because she's always um, picking me up too. So yeah, I have yeah. to say um, a lot of girl power in my DMs. Why don't Why don't you ever like you know give me no no? Oh, uh, no. I just do you the typical thing, which is just put like fire emoji or the ah, hand up emoji. That's how guys show affection. We yeah. just write back like fire because we want yo. That's fire, B. So you just put like eight fire emotion em- emojis. That's how you know. So that, that's, that's enough. There you go. Yeah, no, I feel it. Um, about the dog emojis uh, or the dog ones, I have this thread with one of my friends, and it's just straight up dogs. But it's like pit bulls because I have a pit bull. But it's like pit bulls, pit bulls, pit bulls, pit bulls. And then it'll be like, yeah, same. And it's like, or it might be like a random poodle here and there, but it's usually like just like pit bulls, like back and forth. So I feel it. Um, sorry, one last thing. I forgot to answer something. There was quite a few that I forgot to answer, but um, somebody asked, and I really wanted to touch on this before we end. Okay, what does machismo look like in the film industry? Oh, that's a good question. We're going to end on a deep note for everybody. So, is it okay if I take this one? Yes, please, please. I think I I fixed it so much. People who I've people who called me to congratulate me on the films just so many times, your little project. That's what it looks like. When people keep telling me it's my little project, and I'm like, I literally told someone, I was like, but you're working on the project. Doesn't it make it a big project? If you're such a big deal. Mm. And I was like, you know, we're at HBO, right? Like, I was like, well, it's not little anymore, right? So I think that's, that's what it is. It's everything you do is, it's yeah. cute, right? That's cute. It, you know, good for you doing things as a woman, right? So I think that's what it is. People trying to minimize your accomplishments. That's what it is all the time. I think that is a perfect answer. Um, but Iron Glove Productions is doing big things. <laughs> where did you get the name from? Who's the boxer? <laughs> trying to make it, trying to make it a little small. So actually, I do do combat training. Um, oh, she's not here to fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Demetrius Angelo, my combat trainer. It's the Puerto Rican. Well, yes, and of course, Puerto Ricans like we have to box. Um, actually, when I was when I was small, I always had fists, in, and you can see it in pictures. And so it was always like a joke, a running joke that I was like the little boxer. But I actually had a teacher once say that I ruled. There's like this saying, like, "Oh, she rules with and a velvet glove, an iron fist, but a velvet glove." And I kind of put those together. It's very true. These guys will tell you. Um, Kelvin was saying earlier how. My productions are on point. You know, you you feel the need to come ready. But at the same time, you know, we have a lot of fun. I I have a lot of food on set. That's how I make everybody feel really happy. Oh, hello. Let me get on set one time. (laughs) Y'all come through. But it's also a little bit of what our films are. 
you know, they're not, they're not just take your vitamins, as people like to say. It's not just eat your vitamins. But there is a message there. It's not only to have a good laugh. It's not only to have a good time. Hopefully, when, you, when you're on the car ride home from the theater, you'll start asking each other questions about, like, why do you think that happened? And isn't that kind of like what happened to us that one time? And so there's, there's the, the soft side of it. But also the kind of, you know, punch you in the face. Oh, <laughs> so. okay. And hey, that's what you guys are doing. You guys are definitely putting out work that's out there, representing a lot of stuff. I showed my, my, my family some of the the trailers that you guys have. And quickly, my mom's like, ooh, a dog. This is a movie about dogs. And I was like, no, it's not a movie about dogs. But... <laughs> But the dog should get an Oscar. Shout out to Paco the dog. The dog should get a dog skirt. <laughs> uh, that was funny. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Was... So let. So thank you guys so much for coming up on on the Plot Twist podcast. Where can everybody find you guys at? What are your social media handles? Um, I am at Amilcar underscore acts. Um, that is A M I L C A R underscore is a little line, the little thing. And then acts is a normal word that is not like a milk car. I mean, that's on Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter, emails underscore 32. And uh, I'm on Facebook, because some people still use Facebook. Uh, hmm. And I'm there, a milk car dot acts. Um, oh, can, okay, okay. Well, not underscore, just a period. Uh, so I am Dominique underscore dancer. For the record, I had mine first, and he stole the alliteration idea. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> she has she has brains in every operation. <laughs> so Dominique underscore dancer. Oh. But don't forget Iron Glove Productions. We are Iron Glove Productions everywhere. Irongloveproductions.com. Get your tickets. HBO is coming up. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us. That's hilarious. I didn't realize that it's Dominique Dancer and a Milker Axe because yes. mine is actually Chase and Chico. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got all all over. Uh, Chase and Chico, that adds, that's at Chase and Chico on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But you spell chasing without the G. So it's hood. Chase, so and, Chase Chico. and Chico. Chase and Chico. It's not, it's uh, not the code switching way of saying chasing. Exactly. No, it's, it's, like the, the it's the it's the real way. It's the it's the Bronx way of saying Chase and Chico. <laughs> also the Brooklyn way. Anyway, um, we all all of our all of, all of us websites. If you want to contact us for anything, um, yeah, amocarjavier dot com, and kelvingrujon dot com. And Nieves oh. is like snow with an S at the end. And Amilcar is like a mill, like a windmill. We got it, baby. And a... We got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. It was it was a blast talking to y'all. So they're going to be at the HBO New York Latino Film Festival. Did I say it right? Correct. Yes. August 25th, 6 p.m. Come through and see us. So that will be next uh, next week? It's two, two weeks. weeks. All right, guys. So you guys have been warned. Get your tickets. Go see these people live if you guys are in New York City. And we... Ow! Alright, thanks guys. I love you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Oh,